Okay. The, the problem is twofold. One, um, as I explained before, natural immunity exposure is very broad, durable, and robust, meaning the future exposure to that virus, and this is the idea, this is the way it works actually, is, is extensive in the sense that if you have natural immunity exposure and you clear the virus and you recover, uh, the chance of reinfection is almost zero. Okay. Your immune system will be able to deal with any version of that, any variant of that virus in the future. Okay. And will be able to effectively uh, neutralize it, etc. The problem with the vaccine is because it's only introducing, asking your immune system to develop immunity to just the spike, which sits on the viral ball. Mm -hmm. That spike is a hot spot. That's where the mutations are taking place. There's an S1 and S2 subunit right there. The mutations on the fusion domain, the mutations are taking place there. So you have to visualize it this way. If the spike is changing routinely, mm -hmm. then in the future, <clears throat> when the, the virus with a different spike confronts you in the environment, that spike is different now, and your immune system cannot recognize that spike. And remember, your immune system has only built an immune response to the spike which is kind of a ridiculous approach in the beginning. Okay. When you sit back and you look at it, you ask yourself, why would the vaccine developers develop a vaccine and give your immune system just one target with a few binding areas? In short, that allows the variants that you are hearing about to blow past your immune system. So you are getting vaccinated your immune system is building a response to a spike that really does not exist anymore because the vaccines were developed based on the Wuhan strain, February, March of 2020. Okay. The virus that is circulating today in the wild, as you know, has different variants now on the spike. The, the, the variation is actually on the spike. So mm -hmm. now the predominant variant is the Delta variant. So when you get vaccinated, let's say you, if you went and took the vaccine today mm -hmm. and your immune system worked as it should and you developed immune response to that spike, that's fine. Soon, another variant will be circulating. When you are exposed to that variant in the wild, your immune system has only built an immune response to that spike. Okay. So then your chance of being reinfected is significant because your immune system can't respond to the new variant. It has not built an immune response there. Okay. So in effect, I'm trying to say, we are vaccinating people with asking you to develop an immune response to a spike protein that does not exist anymore. And it's a very significant part of this discussion that no one is having. And that is why you are seeing 
so many so-called breakthrough infections across the world because in effect the vaccine is not working it cannot work against the variants your immune system has developed a very narrow spike specific immunity specific only to that protein on the viral ball we would have wanted you to create an immune response to the 1500 there are about 1500 different binding areas on the virus that your natural exposure would have built immunity to so okay. any version of the virus in the future the spike could have changed your immune system would have recognized other parts of the virus and you would have remained immune and dealt with it. The second problem is, that's the first problem. The second problem is we have found out post-vaccine across the world that, that, that the spike itself has some level of pathogenic behavior. Okay. In other words, this is the key. When the SARS-2 virus infects you normally, it is the spike protein on the SARS-2 virus, the actual virus that causes the trauma and, and the subsequent cytokine storm and the vascular, the clotting, etc. Okay. So, so you have to ask yourself this. We are injecting ourselves with, a, with, with the messenger RNA, which, which is used to build the spike protein in your cells that is expressed and presented on the surface of the cells to build mm. the immune response you are injecting we are injecting ourselves with a mechanism to build the actual spike that is pathogenic okay and what we are seeing that's why the countries in europe had pulled the astrazeneca etc that's why ontario had pulled it that's why we are seeing adverse reports in the United States. There are 400,000 adverse reports in the United States vaccine adverse reporting database. There are about 12,000 deaths reported immediately post-vaccine. There are 15,000 deaths immediately post-vaccine reported in Europe. That's why we are seeing it, because the spike protein itself is pathogenic, and, and it plays a role in blood clotting and bleeding disorders, etc. So, so, so the reality, sir, is this: <clears throat> you have a portion of the population who is going to get vaccinated, and they're going to do fine. Okay. And thank God for that. Right. But there's a portion of the society who is going to get vaccinated. And they're going to get very unwell. They're going to develop blood clots, and some are going to die. Hence, we are saying, do not vaccinate our children with this. Why? Because in a normal vaccine trial, it takes about 12 to 15 years properly developed. Okay. From the conception of the idea to vaccine in the arms. Normally, when the vaccine is introduced into the deltoid, which is the injection site, uh -huh. the assumption is that the vaccine will remain in the injection site with some drainage to the local lymph drainage node. The immune response would begin there. The content of the vaccine would stay there. 
that was what was told to the world as to how these vaccines would behave. Okay. We have found out, based on biodistribution studies coming out to Japan, that the vaccine does not remain at the injection site. About 25% remains there, and about 75% enters the circulation systemically. And we've found out that the spike remains in circulation for about 14, 15 days post-vaccine. Okay. And we've also found out that it's accumulating in very critical tissue, the ovaries in women, the testes in males, the spleen, the adrenals, etc. Here's the problem. The problem is the vaccine developers did not take the 12 to 15 years to study the harm part of a vaccine. When you bring a drug to market or a vaccine or medical device, it's not just to figure out if it's effective. You also have another part of that study. You need to demonstrate that it's not harmful. Okay. We have not done that with these vaccines. The vaccines got emergency use authorization, vaccines that are being used across the world without the data to demonstrate or in our terminology to exclude harms. So if you ask me a question, as simple as this, if you said, Paul, this vaccine here, mRNA, the Moderna, Pfizer, whomever. Right. If I took this vaccine, am I assured that A, it will work, and B, I will be, um, it will be harmless to me. It will just do what it's supposed to do. I will become immune to this virus, and I'll go on with my life. If I have to be honest with you, I will turn around and say, well, based on the reporting in the United States, based on reporting in Europe, and I don't have to just say, you are, you are watching the, the media, you yeah. are watching the news reports that are coming daily. Yeah, I'm seeing the reports you are can from see CDC. see their reports yeah, there's a, of yeah. harm post-vaccine. Right. I would turn around and tell you, I cannot tell you that you will not be harmed by the vaccine. For another vaccine, such as the measles vaccines that our children get, uh, the full range of vaccines, yeah. the, the harm portion of the trials were done. So we, we know the extent of harm that could emerge, such as, you know, bruising to the injection site, there's fever post-vaccine. There may be one rare occurrence of an, an adverse reaction. Right. That's why those vaccines were given regulatory approval. Right. That's In like yellow fever. That's like yellow fever and, and measles and things that you were given years ago. Right. Exactly. So the so the so the due diligence was get, was done so that you as a parent or you as an individual in society, when you take your vaccine, you can take it full assured that that the regulators have done the due diligence and kind of protected you, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And they and they and they evaluated this for safety. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple discussion we have in here. Yeah. There's no evaluation for safety for these vaccines. And no one, your Minister of Health, your Chief Medical Officer of Health, the head of the CDC in the United States, no one can go on any media program, can write any paper can make a statement to you that these vaccines are safe. They just cannot.
because they do not know that part of the clinical trial was not done. That is where people like myself, other researchers that we're working with are saying, hold on, make sure that when you go in front of your doctor or the person who's giving you this vaccine, they properly prescribe to you the benefits of the vaccine to you versus the risks. Right. Our argument is that the vaccine rollout program is so insane. It's being done so crazily that that time discussion with a person, the vaccinee, who's getting the vaccine is not happening. People okay. are not being explained the potential harms to them. And uh, they're just being, hey, roll up your sleeve and take the shot. That's not informed consent. Informed consent is you must be explained what are the benefits and the harms based on your risk profile, and then you make an informed decision. Everyone across the world today who's taken these vaccines, I would argue, have not been given proper informed consent. And that's an ethical violation based on the Nuremberg Code. That's a very serious issue. And the government of Trinidad Tobago, the government of the United States, the government of Canada, they are blowing past this issue as though it's not an important consideration when it is. Yeah. Because at some point, your child or you who may take the vaccine, there may be implications to you. And then you're going to turn around and say, but no one, for example, people are not being told public is not being explained properly that these vaccines are investigational they are experimental a local a local that uh, not a country but a local doctor did send me a 68 page document saying that it's not it's it's an, an investigational um vaccine and he was explaining yes. the same thing you just mentioned with informed consent and that all of this has been bypassed um, but exactly. unfortunately, he doesn't want to be in the front line because, you know, you, you, victimization and, and, and that sort of thing. But, but I read that. So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from because I have seen a 68-page document that a doctor sent to me based on those ethics. Uh, but continue with the... Um, you were now talking about the investigational drug? Well, well the, yeah. reality, the reality about it is the United States leads the world for good reason and sets the tone particularly from a research and a medical point of view. And normally the FDA and these agencies, they do a decent job in protecting the public's health. I mean, they have all these conspiracy theory people with all of these different issues. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm just talking to science here. The issue here is that when a vaccine is given, is when the vaccine developer or drug maker invent something and, and creates a new drug and they do their trial, they need to submit an application to the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. I suppose there's a version of that in Trinidad. Yes. Where regulators there assess the statistical information, assess the methodology by which the research was done, make sure it's credible, mm -hmm. and test for safety. Okay. Paul, we have, we have five minutes, but go ahead. I got five more minutes. Right. Go ahead. So the bottom line is that only when they do a proper assessment, a full assessment, they will then give that drug or vaccine full regulatory approval. That means that they are satisfied that it's effective and it's safe. Right. That word safe. In this case, 
the, the trial didn't go for the 12 to 15 years. It really only went for like three to four months okay. in the United States. So they could not get full regulatory approval. So they went to the FDA and they got what we call an emergency use authorization, which basically meant, and the rest of the world has followed, used the United States emergency use authorization to give these vaccines to their people. What that meant was the FDA is saying that we don't have all of the information on the vaccine, but for the time being, let's give this on an emergency basis and down the line, we will collect the data. Okay. That's a big problem because they gave the emergency use authorization without any safety data. We're coming back to the safety data. And more importantly, with that serious omission, we are giving people the vaccine without proper informed consent. Right. And it's not, I'm seeing it. If you look at the global data, you are seeing deaths and adverse events being reported across the world. So the question becomes, who? Is it somebody in your family? Is it somebody in my family who's going to take the vaccine? I may have one member of my family take the vaccine and mm -hmm. they respond fine. Another member who takes it and it's catastrophic. Right. And we did not study it. That's what we're saying. We, 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 don't, we don't know who is this at-risk person. And, and right. they are at-risk people. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Um, I've, and I've been making that point a long time for, for, for months now, is that you do not know. I was telling people to go to the doctor, get a medical. But you see, the problem is when mm -hmm. you go to the doctor and you get a medical, all 99% of doctors saying, yes, go ahead and take the vaccine. And, and, and that can't, that to me is not logical because you can't no. tell me that everybody qualifies to take a vaccine because people have no, because people have, you know, people have different, different underlying issues that, that may push look, them in a direction not to take it, where they can't take it. Go ahead. Look, what you're saying is very important. So let me get that point out. We learned very early on, maybe April, May, that COVID was amenable to risk stratification. And that meant that, that, that your baseline risk that you brought into the situation predicted your outcome, the severity of your outcome with COVID, including death. Right. So what we learned is there's a risk stratification with COVID and you could target people based on your risk. And we already knew, we knew that 99% of the public across the world who would bump up against COVID will walk away and be fine. The focus should have been on a 1%. Mm -hmm. Those elevated age people, elderly people with underlying medical conditions, morbidly obese people, even younger persons. And we knew that we did not need to vaccinate ourselves. We didn't really need the vaccine. We had early treatment, drug treatment. Right. That the medical establishment, of course, the world knew existed. Antiviral therapy that was very effective. And the medical community, ministries of health, governments, for, for, for various reasons, have turn, turned their back and tied the hands of doctors, including doctors in Trinidad and Tobago, so that these effective treatments that should have been used were not used. And for the 600,000 people that died in America that we have on the books, when we model it and look at it, based on the data that we have, we could have saved 500, 550,000 people from dying had these wow. people been given early outpatient treatment. 
very early on in the disease sequence. You get infected and you have symptoms, start the early treatment. You wouldn't need a vaccine because you would clear the virus and you would then have natural immunity, which as I explained earlier, is far more optimal and durable. Look, we have cases. Mm -hmm. we, there was a research group that recently published that they looked at people from 1918 Spanish flu and they had blood from that from a group of survivors. And in about 2010, they published a, a, a paper that, that was below the radar. Nobody paid attention to that, but I went back and I found it. And what it showed was within their blood, there was an immune profile and response that if you reintroduce the 1918 virus to their blood today, the immune cells in their blood was triggered and it came alive. It right. meant that after 100 years, they had an immune response. They had natural exposure to the flu in 1918 and they still responded today, their blood. And wow. that's our argument. Why did you push on pushing people, especially children to get vaccine when we know basic immunology 101, that if you are naturally exposed and you get through it and clear it, and we have early drug treatment to help, you will have the type of immunity that will be lifelong, no question. You are pushing to give people a vaccine that has one, safety issues, and two, the, the immunity conferred by it is very narrow and spike-specific and actually is vaccinating, inoculating you against a spike protein that does not anymore exist. I need people to wrap their heads around this. The vaccine was made on a, on a variant of the spike, the same variant term that's being used today. There's the Wuhan variant, the initial parental spike. That's what the vaccine was based on. That is long gone. We have had hundreds and thousands of mutations and variants. Right now, it's the Delta. Your immune system from the vaccine will not be able to respond. That's why you are seeing all of these breakthrough cases. Half of all of the vaccinated people in Israel and UK, etc., are becoming reinfected because the vaccine is not working. It cannot work theoretically as well as practically. It okay. just does not work. All right, well, well Paul, I wanna thank you for joining us this morning and I wanna have you on again. I'll message you after the show no and problem. we'll work out a day to, to have you on because there's some other parts of this that I wanted to get through. Um, but I know you wanted to go through detailed explanation. So I wanna thank you for that and um, we will be in touch, all right?